0: B, um, but we'll probably break under the B and then hopefully get back to A. Does that make sense? Hopefully we'll go there. As I said, you heard me um, blowing the, the shofar at the beginning of the service. And today is the, if you like, the Feast of Trumpets. Um, and that began sundown and Friday night and it runs for two days. Amen. Finishing on Sunday night which is tonight. And, um, and basically some people call it Rosh Hashanah. And, um, but Rosh Hashanah isn't actually really what the Bible is actually calls it. The Bible calls it uh, Yon uh, um, Turua, if I'm pronouncing that properly. That's what it pronounces it, Yon Turua, which is the Feast of Trumpets. Amen. Um, and the Rosh Hashanah came in actually from their time in Babylon. So it's not actually scriptural. It was actually it came in from Babylon and then it got embraced into the culture of the Jewish nation. But it takes us away, really, from what the true meaning is. The head of the year they would call it, but it's the Feast of Trumpets, and you know, and it's, it's easy done, isn't it? It's just like in Christendom, we brought in a lot of things like Christmas and Easter and things like that as well, you know. So just maybe standing a few people's toes as well. But these things get crept in, and then we can uh, we endorse them all, and then we say, well, it's all part of Scripture, really. So there we go. We can see how they kind of crop up there. As we move on for those ten days, then this is called the High Holidays, if you like them finish up in the day of atonement and then we have a short spell before we hit the feast of Sukkot they call them the autumn feast and that is if you like speaking very clearly about this return of the Lord Jesus Christ and I think that's something all of us are looking forward to isn't it the return of the Lord Jesus Christ we should always be praying that Maranatha come Lord Jesus especially the days that we find ourselves in wickedness just seems to have exploded it just parades itself all over the place there's nothing hidden under the sun now and um, sometimes you're embarrassed walking about the streets and just in the attire of women and you would dare hardly go to a beach nowadays because i want to tell you this it's just there's as i say, there's nothing now and uh, there's no modesty in the world just now i want to tell you that right now so we do actually ask that the lord christ will come back again the return of the King. Remember, we had the the spring feast. The spring feast were all about the first coming of Jesus Christ, which were fulfilled to the letter, to the exact day. Everything was fulfilled exactly according to the spring feast. We're all talking about the intervention of the Messiah, who was coming to the land of Israel unfortunately they didn't recognize him he was coming as a suffering servant they wanted to see the glorious king who was going to come and lift them up but they missed his interpretation of that but jesus was coming as a suffering servant the one who was going to make atonement the one who was going to turn himself over and die a terrible death taking upon himself the sin of the world and dying for you and me hallelujah he came and he fulfilled it exactly as it recorded in the scriptures the spring feasts were all about his first coming then we have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That was the Feast of Weeks. That would be the Feast of Pentecost. And 50 days later, after the first fruits, as he rose from the grave, 50 days approximately later, the Holy Spirit fell exactly on time and exactly in account of what the Scriptures have spoken about. Now we move into the autumn feast. And that sometimes we seem to have got that lost. We seem to have got that lost with pre-trib, post-trib, pre-millennium, post millennium We seem to have got a lot of things kind of lost and actually where it should be. The Lord Jesus Christ, I believe, is going to come back exactly on this day, Feast of Trumpets, whether it's actually today or was it yesterday. I believe he's going to come back as it's recorded in the scriptures. If he came back and fulfilled the Spring Feast, then I believe he's going to come back and fulfill the Autumn Feast. The Autumn Feast is speaking about his return, the return of the king. He's coming back. And it's going to be fulfilled exactly as he said it was going to be. So does that mean that Jesus could come back in December? Some people believe he's going to come back at any time. Well, I personally believe, no, he's going to come back at the right time. And the autumn feasts are telling us clearly when he's going to come. It says that. It'll be on probably the feast of trumpets when the trumpet sounds, that wonderful sound. Amen. Sundown. So 1 Thessalonians 4, 15, 17 says this. Forever and ever and ever. Glory to God. And we could just say that, How long is forever? Forever. Hallelujah. Never to be separated from him. Glory to God. He came. He established his covenant. The new covenant. He came. He established the church. And then he's left. And he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. But I'm coming back for you. Hallelujah we are his bride waiting for the return of the king hallelujah waiting for this majestic moment when the lord is going to call this world to account he's going to bring everything to a stop everything's just going it's like being in the disco and somebody pulls the lights out and all of a sudden that's it it's over he's finished the music stops the king's going to be back here the whole world is going to see him and see his glory and the whole world will be held accountable to him what a great and a glorious day that we have before us it's interesting and and just from myself in that perspective you know for Jesus says very clearly but no but on the but of that day and hour no one knows not even the angels in heaven but my father only Matthew 24 and 36 when Jesus starts talking about the end of days famines wars rumors of wars earthquakes all these terrible things that's going to take place but he says that but no one but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but only the Father himself. Now, he doesn't say what, what century. doesn't say what, what, what year. He, he defines it down to the day or the hour. And it's just an interesting note for the reason why they celebrate the Feast of Trumpets over two days. Because technically, they, what they felt was actually the day, of, the day of the feast of trumpets began when they, f- they seen the first little glint of the moon when it just the full moon when it rose and there was always a bit of dispute when they seen it when they didn't see it so they gave themselves two days just to make sure that they got it right well that's that's good isn't it you know just give yourself a bit of room don't you so I'm not going to just say right for definite it's that day so basically and not all of them but most of them will, will they have it over two days just to make sure they've got it on the right day isn't that interesting that jesus says no one knows the day or the hour it's interesting today that they celebrate two days because they don't know exactly what day and just as it speaks about jesus says, no one knows the day or the hour that kind of fits in there doesn't it to what we have maybe taking place today glory to god hallelujah and the new moon as i says we have that then period of time which is the 10 days, that period of time, 10 days period leading up to the day of atonement and which of course speaks very much as a key is repentance, isn't it? That great day of repentance. It's a time of soul searching and putting my house or your house in order. And that's what the Jews do at this moment in time. Where They usually, they will spend time reflecting upon their lives. They get, they're starting to get their lives right because in their beliefs in the rabbinic tradition, They believe that God opens up the books on that day of Feast of Trumpets and your fate is decided. But it's not finalized until the day of atonement. So you've got ten days, if you like, to try and to humble yourself before God and get yourself right before God, because on that day, God might pardon you, that God might say, look upon you, see you, see how you've humbled yourself, and God might give you forgiveness. It's a wonderful process. And that is what the process that they will probably be, will hopefully some of them will be involved in just now. And it's getting right before God, getting their consciences right before God and also putting other things in place as well. So if I've wronged somebody, hey Stuart, please look, forgive me. Look, I know, you know, I was a bit rash there when I spoke those words to you the other week. Please forgive me. Amen. Sometimes forgiveness is a song. Forgiveness seems the hardest word to say. Linda's looking at me. I better look away from that. <laughs> I better look away from that look there, Linda. You know what it's like, don't you, when you're, you know, we hate you know, we hate, we it's so much problems sometimes between couples, isn't that? Because we, we hate to admit that I'm wrong, you know. Say you're sorry, she says she, she's sorry. she I mean, I won't say I'm sorry. That just makes it worse. When she tells me to say I'm sorry, that makes it worse. I kind of dig my heels in a little bit. And um, I think, and then... Um, but we really should be. When you, make it, when, you, when you make a mistake, it's good to say, look, sorry, hands up here. I made a mistake. I shouldn't have spoke that way. I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have done the next thing. And you get yourself right. It's wonderful when you get yourself right, guys. Honestly, it's wonderful. See if you can just unburden yourself if you're carrying something within you. Right, that's when we can get ourselves right with one another. Hallelujah. But when we can get right before God, more importantly, and you can just be some before God and say, Father, forgive me. I've sinned. I did wrong i i i disobeyed you or lord i've just been i've been distant over the last two months i've been i've been a bit lukewarm i've been a bit you know i've just i've I've just i've just not been myself I'm, i'm just struggling lord and i've just switched off from you and i've just been watching tv all the time i've not been bothering reading I've i've just ignored you for the last two months i could probably speak to a lot of people in the churches there as well isn't it you know we all like those little kind of times out and we and we can get a little bit distant from the lord hallelujah and it's wonderful when you just come to your senses and just say look forgive me lord you know and get yourself back in into the swing glory to god can i just say something you see when i you know i'm not seeing a lot of young people now at the prayer nights on the friday night at one point there was a lot of use oh well you, there's always oh well oh well oh well I could, you know, oh well, oh well. I could say, oh well, oh well, oh well, myself. See, when I was a young Christian, I was at morning prayer meetings. I was in the church. When I was in the church, I was in the church. Morning prayer meetings, seven o'clock to eight o'clock. Hallelujah, I was there. And, I, and, I, and I, made that, I, I made that part of my life. Was it brilliant being at the prayer meetings? No, it wasn't brilliant. I mean, sometimes it was like, can I say another 20 minutes to go? Watching the clock, but I disciplined myself. I disciplined myself, I disciplined myself to say, Lord, I need to be praying, hallelujah. Now, sometimes you can't be there for any good reasons, but if you can be, then I would say, then why would I not want to be in the house of prayer? Remember when Jesus' parents were looking for him? He kind of disappeared at the age of 12, and then, then they discovered we must have left him in Jerusalem, home alone, remember that film? <laughs> then they head back and they're searching for him, and they find him in the temple. And Jesus says, did you not, did you not know you would, I would be in my father's house? Did you not know I was going to be in, I was in my father's house? I long for the day when the Lord comes looking for me, but he'll find me in the father's house. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And not in the, another house, if you know what I'm saying. The wrong house. Glory to God. It's time for us guys just to sharpen up because I want to tell you this. This life is not about you having a good time here. And I keep saying that to everybody. This life is a time of test. We're being tested. Do you know God is testing us? That's why he's left us in this world. It's a test. He's watching us. He's watching how we live our lives. This life is not, listen, thank God, God understands and we can, you know, we can, you know, we can still have a life, do you know what I'm saying? But there is another point is what true life is actually, there's a plan and purpose for us being here. There's a plan and purpose for us. You don't just switch on and switch off. Listen, you switch on, you stay on. Glory to God, hallelujah. And like never before, we need to be that type of people. So we say there, the days of all, and we can read just this verse as well. It's a time of soul searching and putting your house in order. Zechariah 12 and 10 says this, And I will pour out upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace or unmerited favor and supplication, that they shall look earnestly upon me whom they are pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourns for his only son, and who shall be in bitterness for him as one who is in bitterness for his firstborn. Hallelujah. That's Zechariah 12 and 10. God is going to do a work in Israel. Amen. God is not finished with Israel. There's a plan and a purpose for Israel, the nation. Israel, the nation. Israel, the country. Israel, the people. There's a plan and purpose that God has reserved for this nation. I believe in Zechariah 12 and 10 that that's going to be fulfilled in the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to come and he's going to reveal himself to this nation. Now we know not Israel is Israel and many people will point that out to me but I want to tell you this, God has reserved Israel at this moment in time or else how can we justify the very reason that Israel still exists in the nations at this moment? Amen. The nation of Israel. The Lord is coming back and God is going to be dealing with his people. God has reserved them for a time of the end and he's going to come and he's going to meet with them. And many scriptures will tell us that very clearly. How do you view them? Because I speak to people all the time and say, well, we are Israel. Well, actually, we've been grafted into Israel. Israel itself is still Israel. Amen? And yes, I know there's many messaged believers. and believers. I want to say this. There is only one name under heaven by which men can be saved, Jew or Gentile alike. There's only one name. Amen. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ. The Jews need to believe in Jesus. And just as Gentiles need to believe in Jesus. So I'm not going to be preaching that there's two covenants. There only is one new covenant now. Hallelujah. Glory to God but God has still got an end time plan for this nation when he's going to reveal himself to them and he's going to open up their eyes and they're going to see the one that they have pierced, as Zechariah said. That was fulfilled in the day of Calvary when they stood, and there's a wonderful picture over there of just at the foot of the cross there, Mary and John and two, two other ladies there standing there gazing up at him. When many people stood that day and they looked up and they seen the one who was pierced and they seen him hanging there before, suspended before earth and heaven, as he took the sin of the world, the place turned dark and the wrath of God came upon his son. Hallelujah. He paid the price for your sin and for my sin and the world seen them. But there's another fulfillment to come. The day is coming when the Jewish people will again will look upon him that they are pierced. They will see him. They will see him and he will be revealed to him not on a cross, but he will appear to them and they will realize that he is their savior and there'll be great mourning. They'll weep for him like a long lost son and they will look upon him and that day is still future and that day will come according to the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. But how do you view him even in existence in the Holy Land today? I would say this, this God Almighty, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, because that's what God says his name is. Did you know that? When Moses says, who will I say sent me when he had an encounter with them in the book of Exodus? Who will I say is is sending me to to them? And he says, I am who I am. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. That is my name, and that's my name for eternity. So God has put his name upon this people for eternity. God has said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's it. He's, He's named them. He's put his name upon this people, that people who came from Abraham and he established his name with him and we see that there so does he have an end time plan for them to fulfill his prophetic word you know God has given us the book from the beginning to the end God has got a prophetic plan for Israel that's actually going to be we're going to see that fulfilling in our days in fact we're already seeing great miracles taking place as we speak hallelujah did Jesus abolish Israel the Jewish nation when he came to this earth When they rejected him as their Messiah, did he he abolish them and say, right, that's it, I'm finished with you? When they turned them over to the Romans to be put to death, did he? Did he turn his backs upon them and say, that's it, I'm finished. Now, I've I've started a new covenant. It's a little guy, he's driving a car and then he pulls out the car, puts a match in it and burns it up and then jumps in another car and starts driving it again as if that's it, I'm finished. I've done what I've done with you as a people. I've fulfilled what I said it was going to be. Now I'm on a new road. No, I want to tell you this, no, no, never. We could jump up here to, um, to the book of Romans and Paul, the great apostle to the Gentiles. God's got a sense of humor, isn't there? One of the, one of the geniuses of, of Israel's history, the apostle Paul, Hebrew of Hebrews, and yet God makes him the, the apostle to the Gentiles. Amazing, isn't it? Glory to God. Let me just read a couple of verses here for the book of Romans. Romans 9, 10, and 11 is now Paul is at the heart of this book. Paul is saying, what about the the Jewish question here? Hallelujah, who have rejected Christ. Paul says this, I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not. For I also am an Israelite, the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. Or do you know that the scripture says that Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars and I alone are left, and they seek my life. But what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Even so then, at this present time, there is a remnant according to grace. So there's always a remnant. When God's saying the whole nation is gonna be saved, the whole nation will not necessarily be saved. You want to look at the whole population, but God is talking about a remnant within Israel who will be saved, who will respond to the gospel. Let's just jump up and we'll read from 11. Same chapter. I say then, have they stumbled so that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now, if their fall is riches for the world, and their failure, their their failure riches for the future riches—sorry, their future riches for the Gentiles—how much more then their fullness? For I speak to the Gentiles, and as much as I am an apostle to the Gentiles. I magnify my ministry, if by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are of my own flesh, and save some of them. For of their being cast away as the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? For the first fruit is holy, the lump also is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off, and you have been a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them become partakers of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say, then, well, branches were broken off, and I've been grafted in. Well said, because of unbelief they were broken off, and you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. Therefore, consider the goodness and the severity of God, and those who fell, severity, but towards you, goodness. If you continue in this goodness, otherwise you will also be cut off. And they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut off the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more then will those natural branches be grafted into their own tree? For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel, until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved, as it is written... The deliverer will come out of Zion. He will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For you were once disobedient to God, but you now have obtained mercy through their disobedience. Even so, these also have also been disobedient, that through the mercy shown to you, they also may obtain mercy for god has committed them all to disobedience that he might have mercy on them all glory to god hallelujah and we see here very very clearly here god is not finished with the nation and i'm saying the nation of israel that's the reason that they're still surviving at this moment in time many times christians take this verse here this one verse here we take it out of our context and i used to say that there for the gifts of god and calling for the gifts and the calling of god are irrevocable I remember used to people say that as Christians you maybe turn away from God and God maybe gifted you but God's giftings are irrevocable the gift remains with you. Actually it's taken out of context what it means is this is it means that God's calling to the land of Israel is irrevocable he has made a covenant with that land with this nation with Abraham and with the children of Abraham and I'll let God decide who the children of Abraham are that's his preeminent decision. What we're seeing here very clearly is God has got eternal plans for Israel. For God is a covenant-keeping God. Do you know what a covenant means? It means that God will never break his covenant. Never. We can break the covenant. We can turn away. But God will never break his covenant. People say this, well, if God broke his covenant with Israel, well, he could easily break his covenant with us. If he made a covenant with Israel, and then he breaks his covenant with Israel, and then he could easily break his covenant also with us, in that same token. God is a covenant-keeping God that's what he calls himself it's a covenant keeping God that's when you know if God's for you you know God's for me glory to God he's not going to break his covenant with me he's not going to smash me he's not going to turn against me he's going to be faithful to me and he expects me also to be faithful to him but even though I am faithless he will always be faithful isn't that amazing because we can all maybe fall down and, and you know trip up guys I'm sure girls we can all do that can't we but glory to God God will always be faithful, always be faithful, glory to God. And that's what we're seeing here in the book of Romans that Paul enlightens us. That God is going to fulfill his end times plans for this people, glory to God. We can just read a verse there as well and, and just to reinforce that in the Old Testament in Romans. Um, sorry, Isaiah 49, let me just get there, Isaiah 49, the prophet Isaiah says this. Because this we were always backsliding. I've got a tremendous history. Good times and bad times and some seriously terrible times. It says this in 49, 14, it says, but Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. And here's the reply for the Lord. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands your walls are continually before me, isn't it? God has inscribed them in the palm of his hands. It's interesting that we, we, we get this illustration in the palms of his hands. And I believe when he turns up and reveals himself to Israel, it says, he will have the piercing marks in his hands. When he comes, it says, "Oh, will look upon the one that they have pierced. Interesting enough, when Jesus rose his, from the dead, he still carries the marks on his body. And I believe that's for a future event When he turns up, they'll know who he is. He was the one who was pierced for them. They will look upon the one who was pierced. He will carry those marks into eternity. And we can jump up into uh, Jeremiah there as well. Hallelujah. And we'll just read a couple of verses. The new covenant. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in that day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. For my covenant that they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord, but this is a covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. For I will put my law in their minds and I will write it onto their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin, I will remember no more. Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for light by day and the ordinances of the moon and the stars and the light by night. Who disturbs the sea and its waves roar. If these ordinances depart from me, says the Lord, then the seed of Israel shall cease from being a nation before me forever. Hallelujah. What God says, Israel is always going to be a nation, always will be a nation up until the day that he comes back and we're going to see a great move of God even in that land as we speak. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And some of us are maybe going to see it sooner, the land that is. Hallelujah. As we go there. But just even just to trace just a little bit and finishing here of this, la- this people, Israel, they can trace their roots to Abraham. God called Abraham out from Mesopotamia. He was, a, he was a, an idol maker and caught up in that world. He was just a part of the world system, probably there around about Iran or Iraq. And God called him out and separated himself and says, you separate yourself. Through you, I'm gonna bring a people onto this earth. Through you, I'm gonna establish a special people. He calls out Abraham. He passes the promise to Isaac, and then it gets passed to Jacob. Hallelujah. Then he takes Jacob and his family, he takes them all down to Egypt, and in Egypt he forms a nation. The nation Israel was formed in Egypt. At first it started good with them, and then it got pretty bad, because another pharaoh rose up, and they were persecuted terribly. But then God sent Moses and Aaron, and he came, and he brought his people out of Egypt, and they brought them out into the wilderness. The Red Sea parted a form of baptism, took them into the wilderness, and he brought them to Mount Sinai. Hallelujah. And at Mount Sinai, God then enters into a covenant with the nation. The nation now is brought to the place of entering into a covenant. It's like being married. You know, when you stand before a minister and you say, well, you two guys at the back, you so certainly remember that. It wasn't that long ago. And we made a covenant before God Hallelujah. And Craig's smiling there as well. was glory to God. And there, uh, you know, so. Our Katie. Feel as if you've been married for ages, but it's not that long ago. Wasn't it? <laughs> it's not that long ago. But we took vows, didn't we? We, vowed, we, made, we entered into a covenant relationship. Some another place, really, that, that God requires a covenant is when a man comes together with a woman, amen. But we see that when God came together with a nation, he married them. That's why all through the scriptures, God uses that love language of that, you know, a husband and a wife, you know, you betrayed me, you played the harlot with me, you ran after all these other lovers. Constantly, God uses that analogy between a husband and a wife, but it's far greater than that. It's a spiritual dimension to that as well. So he betrothed Israel to himself. The law came, booming fire came down upon that mountain. It quaked, it, it rumbled. The voice of God, loud so far louder than that one, I might add. And everybody was left standing there. And God set forth his law. And God says, now, will you, I want, you, know, will you be my people? And they all say, yes, we will be your people. And so they agreed. They heard the word of God. They heard the law of God was presented to them. And they says, right, we as a people, we surrender. We, we will become Your people and you will become our God. They were married to the living God. A covenant relationship took place between the Lord and his people, Israel. And the plan of God for the, this people was that they would be a, a nation, a holy nation set apart from the nations. They would be a priesthood, and they would take the revelation of God that God was going to be given to them. That they already had given to them so much, but we know so much more was to come after it with all the great prophets, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, and many others. He gave them that, and, and all that revelation was given to this people, and they became the carriers of God's revelation, and they should have been his representatives. So when we looked at the nation of Israel, you should have seen God. Unfortunately, Israel were, were terrible representatives and terrible ambassadors. They kept wanting to get caught up with the world. They kept playing the harlot. They started running after all these other gods, and the people looked at them and thought, "I don't see much of God in them." And see, before we start to say that's terrible about Israel, have a good look at the church today. <laughs> For we are meant to be new representatives today, <laughs> amen. And just look at the way the world looks at the church today, and rightly so. <laughs> Call that the church. We're all going to be failing in some capacity or others, even though God desires us that we should be a living example. People should be looking at us, and all people should be looking at this nation of Israel. I've shared this story with some. I'll share it again just because it came into my mind, and I'll take it that's maybe the Lord that's dropped it in. If not, then please forgive me. You know, there's a group of us going to be heading out to Israel shortly. I remember I've taken, I've taken some time out to get to Israel. I'm expecting to have an encounter with Israel, Morris. I'm expecting it this time. So, so I used to go out there. I've been out sometime. But I was out for a month once. And I just wandered about, just like you know, just wandering about, you know, just going here and there. It's great, just wandering about, you know, you, especially yourself. I don't need to worry about anything. I just, I just go, go here, go there, up north, down south. But I was in Jerusalem one night, and um, and I just came out. I was staying in Christchurch, beautiful place to stay. And I start. I did a pub crawl in Jerusalem. Yep. I didn't drink anything, but I just wanted to see what their nightlife was like because I'd been praying for them earlier, so I came out. And I remember walking around these kind of different neighborhoods, a wee bit like up to Suckie Hill Street or Bucano Street in Glasgow, or wherever, wherever the hot spots are. And I remember just going in. I just stood there and I, w- I was listening to the music was playing. I could smell the hashish. I could see them all whoosh, whoosh, throwing back the, the, the wee what do they call these wee things now? Isn't it? Shots. And they're all sitting inside, Wonderful environment, as you can imagine. But then, so I wandered around and I wandered around and I wandered around. And then I came and I found myself sitting in Jaffa Street. I forget about the location, but I just sat there in a wee seat and I just felt the Spirit of God came upon me. I sat there and I wept. I wept. I went, Lord, this is meant to be your people. This, this is meant to be your people that I've read about. Lord, I could be sitting in Glasgow. I could be sitting in London. I could be sitting in Paris. I could be sitting in any city of the world, Rome, wherever. And yet, there's nothing that's different to them. You you just see that everything that's happening to these great cities is happening here. And if you went to Tel Aviv, which I've been to as well, their beaches there, my friend, are just as whatever, any other beach in the world, you'll see everything there as well, I want to tell you that. Tel Aviv is called the gay capital of the Middle East. And so they're very secular, very, very secular. There's a lot of secularism in Jerusalem as well, I might add. And as I sat there, I just sat there, and I remember just sat there, just for about an hour praying, really praying. I just felt the Lord was just saying, I thought, look at my people this is my this is my people look look at them look at them but yet God's heart is still towards them but I felt I sat there and this burden of God came upon me just I thought Lord Lord this is this surely it should be different here surely it should be coming to this nation and they should have been an example as God wanted them to be people used to travel to Israel they would travel to to the, to, to, to Jerusalem the holy city it was known as the God who inhabits Jerusalem the temple of God was there the world went up there, especially the Feast of Tabernacles, and some of us are going to be blessed to be going there as well. And future there'll be a future date, but we'll sidetrack. And here we go, and we and we just see, look, what well, goodness sake, I might as well just stay in Glasgow. But God's still got unfinished business with them. But God is not finished with them. We can see the worst in them, but we can see the worst in all of us if we have a good look at ourselves. But God has got an end time plan for. This people, God has got an end time plan for this people, so we we'll 've seen how God has walked through history with them there 's never been a people so persecuted as them since they came out we've we seen the dispersions. Actually, there was one greatest dispersion there was another dispersion when um, before five eight six when um, Nebuchadnezzar came down and they were then annihilated, the walls were taken down, the temple was burnt, but we forget when it took place in seven twenty two bc and that was the azarian empire they came down and they sacked the northern remember israel split into two nations there was the northern tribes and the tribe of judah in the south and they, they were sacked and they were dispersed in fact i think one of the mysteries of the world is where is the 10 tribes but we'll leave that for another date but anyway but they were taken away they were sacked and dispersed and judah didn't take notice of that then nebuchadnezzar came down and they were dispersed and they were taken away because god will always judge sin and judge his people israel are very blessed. But what you tell this, God will deal with them more than other nations because they should know better. Anyway, then they were taken away. Seventy years later, glory to God. The Lord says, according to the word of Jeremiah, Daniel picked up in it. Seventy years later, God brought them back again. A second temple was built. But here we go again, we just get this constant now warring against, fighting against the Lord, not being obedient to him. And we start to see then eventually what happened was in A.D. 70. Titus, the Romans were the, were the new kids in town, and again these, uh, they rebelled against the Roman Empire. Roman Empire took took them out, destroyed Jerusalem, burned the temple, and then Israel were dispersed across the whole world. For two thousand years approximately, never had a home. They were dispersed. They were sent out into the nations, didn't have a homeland. And there they were, living in Poland and all these different places. And if you wanted to track their history, I watched a wee video last night just of their history. I want to tell you this. It was so sad and so shocking. And the persecution and just the terrible atrocities that's taken place time and time and time again down through, down through history. Right up until we reach the Holocaust. I mean, I don't think there's probably one of the greatest tragedies in this world than the Holocaust. If you've ever watched a film of the Holocaust, or been to some place like Auschwitz or something, it's good to go and reflect upon it and look upon what happened. I mean, I think it was an American general. I don't know if it was Auschwitz, but it was one of the concentration camps, um, and it was in Germany. And then when they actually liberated it, what he did was he went out into the he went out and he, everybody was staying all around about went get in here. Well, he didn't know anything was happening in there. He brought them in, and he took them in, and he took them through all these human bodies that was all lying around there, devastating. Tried to annihilate them, but off the back of a holocaust, hallelujah! God still sustained them. Six million of them perished in that terrible affliction, but God was still behind the scenes working. And you say, well, d- does that mean that God allowed the holocaust? Yes, yes, yes. A lot of Jews hate to hear that. Oh, God could never have allowed that. God is in control of all things, even the terrible things that you might see in life. But don't try and work out God and say, oh, I, 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 don't, I don't like this God. That's why people don't like the Old Testament. I like the New Testament, you know. It's, I, I don't like that old. Listen, the God of the old is the God of the new. Jesus Christ is all over the old and he's all over the new. He was the one before the world began. He's, he's seamless. He's, he crosses over both. It's one book, the Bible. Hallelujah. And so we can see here then that these terrible atrocities, but off the back of that, hey presto, May 1948, 14th, Israel was recognized as a nation again amongst the nations. Palestine was split into two. There was for the Palestinians and for the Jews. They had their homeland back. And they were desperate to get back. And every nation, Britain, is atrocious. Britain, is, is, Britain tried to stop them getting back at every turn. Britain still had the mandate, and Britain was keeping them out, turning their boats back, wouldn't let them in. Hallelujah. And other nations as well, but Britain in particular, has got an awful lot to answer before God. Hallelujah. But glory to God, be God's divine purpose, they're back and they're thriving at this moment in time. There have been terrible wars since then. The Arabs sought to destroy them. 1948, 1940, 1949, then it was 1967, then it was 1973. And between that, they've always sought to destroy them, but they've never managed to destroy them. Even though they were very vulnerable at these times, miraculously, they have still survived. Do you know why? Because God is still looking after them. And God says, there'll always be a nation Israel before me, as I read to you in the book of Jeremiah. As long as the sun and the moon is there, that nation's there. Why is that nation there? if they're you know if they're still rejecting the messiah because god has got an end time plan for this nation let me just look at this watch okay let's just let me finish with this and 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 and, and it's and it's revelation probably that i got myself because it's dead easy sometimes to think i've got revelation but my revelation can come through reading other material reading other things I never heard had Israel in my heart. Never had them in my heart. I, was, I, I never got teaching when I was in the Assemblies of God a lot. There was some, but there was not a lot. They never majored on it. They never expounded it. Until one day, I was at a Braveheart conference in Edinburgh, Meadowbank Stadium. It was uh, Rory and Wendy Alec. And I just got my credentials. I'm a pastor. AOG, 1999, April the 19th. And um, hallelujah. We just started the church here. And there was a conference and during the conference, they says, oh, a special deal for pastors, three-day trip to Israel, just get yourself down to London, and three days, 240 quid it was, I went, it's a bargain, <laughs> I thought I'd quite fancy that, never really thought about it, so I signed up, anyway, eventually didn't get in November, it had to be the January, because it was a baggage holiday strike, hopefully there will not be anything like that, Brian, this time. And um, I had the flu, and, um, and they took us around the land a little bit, they had some People to come and speak to us. Some pastors. There were some Israeli dignitaries who came and spoke to us as well. I wouldn't say it was Benjamin Neto, yeah, that size, but anyway, some some down the line, and they were just trying to explain the position that they were in, and you know, trying to justify how they were running the country because there's a lot of disputes whether they do it well, whether they don't do it well. Okay, but you know, honestly, I was I, I was not feeling good. I came back, and I'd, I can't I can't really answer it, but something was deposited within me. Something I, I just came back with something, was nothing. I just came back with something and it started a love affair with this nation. And I'm under no illusions that this is a good people. Listen, I've been around them a lot of times. I've spent a month there, I've spent three and a half weeks there. I've been jumping on the trams room, jumping on buses. You can see the good, the bad and the ugly. But I want you to tell you this, take you out into Scotland. Yeah, I'll tell you this, I'm 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 embarrassed when you, you know, I thought. Oh. There's some terrible people out there that embarrass us as a nation. I think we'd all agree about that. Well, there's yeah, the same in Israel as well. But let's take our eyes off the people in one respect and just focus upon the Lord. God has put his hand upon this people and he's not taking it off them. Yes, they've rejected the Messiah, but I want to tell you this, but God is still going to fulfill his plan and purpose for this people. And my own understanding, I want to say that as well. Probably other people have got this too. As Israel was strategic strategic for the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think we'll all agree with that. Jesus was the Jew, so he couldn't have been born in Scotland, could he? Scottish family. So Israel was strategic for the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ because it was written in the Holy Scriptures. He was going to come, and you could trace his ancestry all the way back to Abraham. We'll go through the David because it was going to be through the tribe of David and the tribe of Judah. It was going to come through all that line. That line was put, preserved all the time to the first time when Jesus Christ came and was born with that beautiful virgin woman. Hallelujah, Mary. Supernaturally, because he was not born in the seed of man, but he came through the seed of the woman because he was going to be a man in the flesh. Hallelujah. But he was going to be Emmanuel, God with us, because his origins was from the heavenly realms. Amen. Glory to God. Can I tell you, Israel is center stage for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why God has kept them there at this moment in time. Israel, this, Israel, I believe, i might say I believe that Israel is is, is at the center of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think the Lord Jesus Christ says once, when they reject him, he says, I tell you the truth, you will not see me again until you say, Barakabah, Bashan, Adonai, meaning you will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, until you acknowledge me. There's a cry, a cry that God has reserved, that when this people come to their senses and acknowledge him and cry out for Jesus, when they cry out and call upon him, that's the cry I believe that's going to actually bring forth the son of God again he's waiting for this people to get to that place where they're going to recognize who he was and they're going to cry out for him and when that cry comes we know all hell's going to break again loose around Israel it's going to be center stage Jerusalem is going to be attacked by their enemies and then it says just before they actually crush them completely the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come so keep your eyes somebody says Israel it's the perfect clock to look at if we're talking about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is God's timepiece. Israel is God's timepiece. Yes, as many other clocks ticking, but them in particular is God's timepiece. And there is going to be again another terrible time coming upon the people of Israel to that place, which will reduce them again to such a... Some people say that two-thirds of the Jewries will be wiped out in this last time attack that's going to come upon them do you know why now let me just to to try and back up what i said i've often asked the question to myself because i ask myself questions amen if jesus christ conquered satan at calvary if jesus christ came and totally destroyed the works of darkness he's got the keys of life and death he's rose and he's the king of kings and he's waiting in the heavenlies don't ask me why the father's allowed Satan to still be running around creating all this havoc and all this evil I think we all agree that Satan is still running around this world he's not bound in hell someplace. we're starting to see all this evil works why is he still fighting tooth and nail if he's already been defeated why is he still thinking does he think that he can win the battle now listen to me there's no way that Satan thinks he can kill God I mean it's, 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 like it's, it's completely and utterly stupid it's, I mean that is not what's in tow here what, he can, what he's trying to do is, is, frustrate God's plan and purpose. See, when he knew that the Messiah was going to come and he was going to be born through a Jew, he was coming through the tribe of Judah, right? He knew that. He, the scriptures are there as well, amen? That's why he's tried to destroy Israel all the way up before the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can see that time and time again through history, whether it was pharaoh demanding all the all the boys get flung into the river whether it was Herod then when he tried to kill all the boys in bethlehem let's kill the messiah before he can grow up whether it was haman when he then got, his nose at a joint and so was like right i'm going to destroy all the jews i'm not i'm not just going to destroy that that mordecai i'm going to destroy the whole lot of them whether that then now fast forward it to today what what possessed hitler what possessed hitler Now we know he was he's not as mad as you would think. He was only into the occult. What possessed Hitler in particular that he wanted to destroy the Jewish nation? He wanted to wipe every single one of them off the map. What would drove him, what drove him in particular to to continue that when the war was going against him? Do you know the trains kept rolling even when the war was going against them continuously towards the concentration camps? Because if he thinks if he can destroy Israel, the nation the name that word of god then i believe that god has spoken then they can't cry out for the messiah to come back and he will stay lord of this world that's my own personal beliefs that's why he is now determined and we can start to see things that we had a holocaust and before that you had many other things that was very much on that link guys i'm taking advantage of that because a lot of the church does not hear this message a lot of people do preach it i'm sure but a lot of people, you know, just maybe think we can ignore it. Let us not ignore it. That's why we should be praying for the salvation of Israel. That's why we should be praying for this people. Paul says that we might provo- provoke them to jealousy. Hallelujah. That we might provoke them. Do you know that some of the greatest persecutions actually against the Jewish people was the church? Did you know that? The church is guilty for tremendous persecutions against this people hallelujah let us as the scripture see here very clearly that's why when you come into our prayer meetings we pray for the salvation of this people hallelujah because that's in the will of god that we should pray for the salvation of this people because and i liken it to this amen now you will get this let's just look at in god's economy they rejected god we want nothing to do with them they turned their backs upon him so then god then opened up the door to the gentiles so usually Jews on that side right so then God turns to the gentiles now God turns to the gentile church God opens up the door because it was always God's plan and purpose to open up his life to the gentile believers always so now God starts to work the gentile community and all these gentiles are being saved all these gentiles are coming and being saved now looking at this way so he adopts us we're adopted did you know that we're adopted adopted children the Jews had the birthright because they were the birthright. They were the chosen ones. Like at Olympic, guys, that was it. God decided he was going to choose them as a people. But now God adopted all of this and he opened up the doors wide to all, oh, whosoever. But his natural children still rebelled against him. Now, liken it to this, I've used this illustration before. So I've got, I've got a natural ch- child with my son, right? But he doesn't know what to know me. doesn't want to know what he me. He turns his back upon me. Just doesn't want you to know me. I was talking to somebody the other day there. Nobody in the church, by the way. And his kids are estranged from him. His heart's broken. His heart's broken, but they want nothing to do with him. There's nothing he can do about it. See, then he goes on to adopt all these other kids, right? Glory to God. But the son that came for his own lines, the son that, you know, is is, is out there. But I've adopted all these other children. I've, I've, these, these are my children now, because I've adopted them legally. They're mine, and I have carry my name. Glory to God. But I've always got an eye on my son, you know, the, the one that's rebelled and he's out there someplace, or my daughter, she's out there someplace. My heart's always yearning a little bit for them. Do you get the picture? That's where it is with God. The Lord still yearns for this people who have rejected them, who have who have totally and utterly despised them. And I want to tell you this, they do, many of them. Totally and utterly despise them with you know. But yet, he is still, as he came into Jerusalem, 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 if only he knew. He wept over Jerusalem. If only he knew this time and hour. If only he knew who it was that was coming to you. But it's lost from you now because you're, you know, it's, it's lost, you're blinded to it. Hallelujah. And it says there in 2, back to Romans, Paul says, it's a temporary blindness just now. God has done it. God has blinded them. God, don't ask me why. It says God has blinded them that they cannot see. But the day is coming, it says, when the Gentiles come to to fulfillment, he's gonna give his attention back to this people. Hallelujah. He's gonna turn back to them and he's gonna reveal himself to them. Hallelujah. And there is gonna be a great revival in that latter day when the son of God comes back. Glory to God. So guys, praise the Lord. Amen. Can I just ask all of us that, you know, even at this season, and you can say, well, we, this is Jewish feast. No, it's not. It's God's feast. Well, we're not required to do ten penance for 10 days as they're doing that or even, you know, or, you know, the day of atonement. But can I tell you this? Why don't we over this season, why don't we pray, step up our prayers and pray, Father, going to open up the eyes of this people called the Jewish nation. Going to you reveal yourself to them. Gonna, gonna, gonna open up their eyes do you know i make that a, my see when i'm my early my early morning prayers i might add that's if i start praying for my own nation first by the way i'm up that hill and i walk from that hill and there's a there's another area in my hill there right i'm here and there's a place down there and it's an uprooted tree believe it or not i don't know why but i always feel i have to go there and see when i stand there i think i stand there Kind of disoriented here, so anyway. I I stand there and I face, I think I'm facing towards Jerusalem. And then I pray for this people. I mean, Father, I pray right now, Lord God, that Father, that you will reveal Yeshua to your people. I pray, Lord, that they will come to a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I ask, oh God, that you will do a work in them. And I've made that part and parcel of my prayers. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. I just want to encourage all of us. You know, it's that easy just to say, to think this, I think the next thing, I want to tell you, just according to scriptures, read the book of Romans for yourself, 9, 10, and 11, hallelujah, and you tell me if God is, not fi- is finished with this people, he's not finished with them, they're, they're, they're kept there at a moment in time, but for a plan and a purpose of God, he's coming back, and he's going to reveal himself to this people, and we can say so many other things as well, so glory to God, that's just a little bit of a history lesson, and um, you can pull me up in the dates, but I think you get the dates there that we, can, we mentioned and um, some of the troubles I could get into depth there listen God is always on the throne and listen God is looking for us as well glory to God God is looking for you God is looking for me God opened up his heart to the whole world and he wants to embrace you if you have never embraced the Lord Jesus Christ can I encourage you right now there is one who loves you there is one who reaches out to you there is one who opens up his arms to you and he says come to me hallelujah but you need to make the decision. You can either come or you can just say, I'm not, nah, it's okay, I'm fine. Like I did for four and a half years. But the day came when I walked forward and I came up, that that carpet wasn't this particular carpet, it was another church. But it was, and I walked up there and I surrendered my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I acknowledged that I was a sinner. I acknowledged my need of salvation. I opened up my heart to him and he came flooding in. Glory to God. And the rest is history. Glory to God. And the rest is history. And listen, you can make history today as well. That's all you need to do is just surrender yourself to say, you know something, God? I need you. Lord, I recognize that you are the living God. Hallelujah. And see deep down within every single one of us, I knew there was a God. I used to walk outside and look up at the stars and the heavens and all the rest and think, what, a big bang? Who's kidding who? Bang. I knew there was a God and I knew I had to get myself right with him. If there's anybody in here as we've finished, then can I just ask you right now, just open up your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. He cannot lie. He says, whosoever, whosoever will acknowledge me, I will acknowledge them. Whosoever will repent of their sins, then I will forgive them all righteousness. If there's anybody in here today and you've never done it, listen, the day is getting shorter. The time is running out. Just put your hand in the air and I'm gonna pray for you at the end. Hallelujah, glory to God. Anybody that's maybe here, that you've never made a decision for the Lord, and you'll know if you've ever made a decision for the Lord, just raise your hand and I'll pray for you at the end of this service. Glory to God. watching that clock ticking away there. It's it's time's running out. eh? Amen. I'm not going to exhaust it. You can speak to me afterwards. Amen. Praise God. Let's finish with a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you today, Lord, that you are on the throne. We thank you, Lord, that you've got plans and purposes, Lord God, that are still unfolding, even at this time and season in which we live. We thank you, Lord God, that you, Lord God, Father, have got a plan and purpose for Israel. Therefore, we will bring them before you and we will pray for the salvation of this people. Lord God, we will pray for the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We pray for them. Lord, even at this season, Lord God, Father, Lord, as we're celebrating the high holidays, the Feast of Trumpets, I pray they will hear the trumpet voice, the loud cry of the Lord Jesus Christ in their ears. I pray, Lord God, as they do penance leading up to the Day of Atonement, I pray, O Lord, that you will, Lord God, Father, Lord God, draw them unto yourself, Lord God, that you will, Father, Lord God, bring this nation indeed to that place of deep repentance, that they will recognize Jesus as the Lord of Lords. And Father, we pray, Lord God, Father, even as we enjoy this time of, Lord God, Father, succot the Feast of Tabernacles, I pray, Lord God, that you will, Father, watch over them and protect them, that you will meet with them, and, Lord God, tabernacle with them. And I pray, Lord, for the team that's gone out here from Scotland, I pray, Lord God, that we will go to be a blessing, that, Father, that we, Lord God, Father, will hopefully provoke them to jealousy, Lord God, Father, through our lives, through our sharing and moving about with them. In the glorious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. The Lord bless you all. Hallelujah. Glory to God.